As I step into um, this morning's message, I'm going to ask us to do something a little bit unorthodox. And if you're uncomfortable or unwilling or unable because of um, your, your strata in life, I totally understand that. But if you're able, I'd ask if you would just join me in just taking off your shoes. We're going to metaphorically and practically speak into, step into just a little bit of a holy place right now. You know, what do, our, what do our shoes represent? They allow us to walk faster than normal when we're walking across rocks or hot pavement or, or something like that. They, at some level, they represent um, some strata or some style about us, right? And at some level, they allow us to move a, a lot faster than we could without them. And, and I'm hoping that this day that we might literally just slow down this service and slow down this day in such a way that we might hear from God in, uh, in the way that he would want for us um, this day. Christy read the passage, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened. Think about that. Think about those promises. Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be open to you. Or which one of you, if a son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? If you're a dad or a mom and your son asks for a piece of bread, are you going to give them something that looks like bread or are you going to give them something that uh, is actually bread? As a dad, nothing brings me greater joy in the world. Nothing brings me greater joy in the world than when my kids will ask me for things. They, they could be small things or they could be big things. They, they could be real simple things like this week uh, my son called and said, Dad, could I, could I have a ride to the airport? And I delighted to say, yeah, I'd love to take you to the airport. It'll work out great for me. And, and I said, how are you going to get home? And he says, I'm coming home late. You don't want to come pick me back up. And I know I'd love to pick you up late as well. A dad delights in doing that. A dad delights in, in, in when, when, when a son calls uh, a mom and dad and, and says, um, you know, I love Kate more than anything else in the world and I can't imagine living without her for another day of my life, but, but I'd love your blessing on asking her to marry me. Could I have your blessing? A dad and mom love to hear that. Uh, a dad loves when a daughter is in trouble and, and says, I need to come home. Can you get me on an airplane? I, I, I need to come home. A dad loves to forgive. A dad loves to advocate. A dad loves to step into place or to provide a network uh, of, of relationships all over the country, all over the world in such a way that if a child is going someplace that there be a safe place for that dad. The word of God says, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God is so way much more than, than us as moms and dads and, and, uh, and as um, people who want to, to be a blessing. God's word says this in John 16, 24, Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask, ask that your joy might be made full. In Luke 18 it says, If two of you agree, it will be done by the Father in heaven. 
Luke goes on in chapter 21 to say, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive it if you ask in faith. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish. There's some confidence. If you abide in me, if you're abiding in the things of God, now how, how do I abide in the things of God? I'm, I'm, I'm reading God's word. I'm praying God's word. I'm dwelling among God's people. I'm repenting of my sin because I am sin-filled. I'm abiding in the things of God. He says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, if you're being transformed, if you're soaking, if you're being saturated in the tub of God's word, ask whatever you wish. Be free. Be blessed. You know, I don't know about you, but, but I trust God. I know that this is not true of every person in here, so I'm speaking right now to believers in Jesus Christ. I trust God for eternal life, that Jesus came, died for me and for the sins of this world, and that my faith in him, because of his shed blood, which we'll uh, address a little later as we step into the communion, um, I believe in Jesus for eternal life. But if I'm completely honest, sometimes... I wrestle away my trust of Jesus for everyday life, right? So for some, it might be news to you that you can ask things of God or that you can ask things for yourself that, you know, I can ask for others, but, but can I really ask for myself? Yes, good news is yes. For some of us, we say, okay, I believe those things. I believe those things are true in God's word, but but what if I don't see them true in my life? What if my world is, is more like this in Psalm chapter 13? How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? You ever feel that way? You ever feel like... Man, alive, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm, and, and yet it doesn't feel like God's answering your prayers. I have a friend, his name is Lanny Harris, I work with him, and his dad um, um, spoke about God, as Lanny would say, um, most days of his life, um, but not necessarily in the most favorable ways, right? <laughs> but um, circumstances in his life... Um, happened at 80-some years of age that after nearly 45 years of praying, Lanny led his dad to the Lord. <laughs> and the perseverance of those prayers, the, the, the struggle of those prayers, often, I'm confident, was met with, God, will you ever answer? Will my dad ever come unto you? And so you know those things. You know those things in, in, in your own life. Um, there's a, a chapter uh, in the book of Luke, chapter 18, and it talks about this uh, prayer of a persistent widow. And I want to read it for you. Chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And he told them a parable, Jesus told them a parable uh, to the effect that they ought always to pray, always to pray and to not lose heart. He, Jesus said, in a certain city there was a judge that neither feared God nor respected man. 
And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him, kept coming to the judge and saying, give me justice against my adversary. This person is wronging me all the time. Judge, stand in the gap for me. Give me justice. Give me justice. For a while, he, the judge, refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, God, or judge, please give me justice, give me justice. She comes on Tuesday, she comes on Wednesday, she comes on Thursday, she comes in January, she comes in February, she comes in March, she comes in 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2018, 2019. Finally, the judge says, enough. I'll give her what she wants, that she will stop pestering me. I'll give her justice so she will not beat me down with her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to the elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he, God, will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? When Jesus comes, will he find that we are continuing to persevere, continuing to walk with him, continuing to seek after him and seeking him with our whole heart. The word of God says that we are to pray without ceasing. The word of God says that we are to wait upon the Lord. The word of God says that the prayers of a righteous man, a righteous woman, availeth much. Christy and I would... um, we had a season in our life where um, I, I had a big job, big responsibilities, and I got lured away by money from from a big job to another big job, and um, and it was really just God's kind of setup to to um, to mold and shape me. But in that process, as I stepped away from a big job to a another big job, against frankly the counsel of some pretty wise people. Don't do that. I don't think that's very good for you. I did it anyway. In doing that, um, the, the company that I went to, three days after I went to that company, I opened up the Wall Street Journal and that company had been sold. And it had been purchased with the assets of that company. So in essence, the, the quality of that company that I had just stepped into went from, in the insurance world, uh, a, a B-rated company to a C-rated company. And I'm like, I cannot believe what is happening to me, God. I thought I was in your will. For five months, I just tried to get my head around that. And for five months, um, we spent money, and, and, um, and it didn't go well. <laughs> At the end of five months, I felt compelled to undo all the business relationships that I was in in a righteous manner, not declare bankruptcy, not, not do anything wrong, but to to undo things. And so in order to undo things, um, uh, it took us more than $100,000 of cash to do that. And, um, and that was everything that we had in our lives. God just completely took everything that we'd worked really hard for quite some time to, um, to get my attention. I stepped from a really good job 
into a bad situation, back into commission sales. And on my, I don't remember, was it my third day? Do you Eighth day there. My wife will remind me. <laughs> on my eighth day there, on Washington Avenue in downtown Minneapolis, I was coming out of my car, and I slipped on the ice, and I broke both my tibia and fibula, and um, I have a plate in my leg right now, right here, and I can tell you every day when it's going to rain, and, and, uh, and, and it hurts every day. And God not only broke me financially, but by his grace, he broke me physically. And I'm like, God. That began a five-year odyssey, just this downward spiral. God, show us what you want. God, we need to know what you... God, will you bless my work? And no result, and no result, and no result. Nothing worked out, and it just it, it went down and down and down. And psychologically, it went down, and, and uh, it, it took its toll in, 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 in our relationship uh, on many, many ways. Throughout this time, Christy and I walked a four-mile walk um, around a neighborhood in Maple Grove. And we continued to pray. And at the end of the five years, I, I said, there's a, there's a chapter in uh, Second Chronicles that says, Lord, we don't know what to do, but we look to you. Jehoshaphat was up against the battle and he was about to get crushed and he says, God, I don't know what to do. And so I prayed that out loud. I said, God, I don't know what to do. We look to you. And Christy wisely said, well, well what do we need? What, it's not working out in your work right now. What, what do we need? And we got very clear about what we needed by way of income. And we got very clear about what I could do. Not very many things a old fat, bald guy can do, but um, uh, what can I do, God? And, um, and we got very clear about at least what we needed for income. We walked this four-mile walk, and um, the next morning, we got a phone call from uh, a client of mine who had just gotten a promotion at a job. And he says, hey, I need somebody to fill a role. He says, but I can only pay you a certain amount. That was the exact amount that we got clear about on our walk the day before. It was the exact job that I was capable and qualified to do. Maybe the only job on the planet at the time. But God answered that prayer out of our brokenness. At about that same time, we had a dog, his name is Riley, and we had an electric fence, and, and Riley bolted through the fence and got hit. Our dog got hit. And um, Christy and our kids, our kids watched it, and it, was, it tormented them. But Christy took our, our dog, Riley, to the, to the veterinarian in Maple Grove, and the veterinarian in Maple Grove said, you really need to take this dog with his injury to the veterinarian in Eden Prairie. And, and his throat had been lacerated and he, his larynx had collapsed and he couldn't breathe <gasps> you know just torture um, so do we put the dog down or um, 
do we, do we fight for the dog's life? And, and um, if it happened at 3.30 in the afternoon, by 5 o'clock, we were already into like $1,500 worth of diagnosis, right, for our dog. And it's like, oh, man. So, so um, the vet said, hey, let's just let's get through the night and, and let's see what happens. And, and, um, and the dog, with, through a breathing tube, um, was, uh, was able to breathe the next day. And... And so we're like, we don't know what to do. I mean, seriously, God, do you, do you want us to put more money into this animal? Or, or, and, um, and we were praying, praying as a family. Of course, the kids don't want to lose the dog and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and we go to church on Sunday morning, and our youth pastor um, stands up and gives a testimony, and he's got cancer, and, uh, and he stands up and he says, um, there's this m- medical possibility in Mexico, but it's going to cost like $12,000 or something for me to go there and to have the treatment and all that kind of stuff. And so Christy and I are looking at ourselves and like, well, we know that we could have our dog have surgery for like $1,200 or we could give this money to Dan. We'd much rather give this money to Dan. He's a you know than than our dog. God, would you just make it real clear what we should do? Um, we think we're going to go say goodbye to our dog. So we go to church, hear this conversation, have this conversation, make up our mind. We're going to give this money uh, to Dan. Um, we think instead of fund, funding our dog. Are you with me? You tracking with me? We go to Eden Prairie to the veterinarian center. Um, because we're prepared our kids, we're going to so, say goodbye to Riley. We walk in, all four alone, kind of quiet and everything, and, and uh, I say, I'm Riley's dad. And I, well, I'm not Riley's dad, but I, you know. <laughs> and this bright-eyed young gal says, you're Riley's dad? I said, yeah. She says, the tube fell out this morning, and he's on his own, and he's breathing on his own. It's like a miracle. And we're like, yes, God, this is good. <laughs> so we can send our friend Dan to get cancer healing, and we can take our dog home, and, uh, and Riley lived a good long life, you know? So how God does that, I don't know. Does he always answer prayer? No, not in our timing, but God, why not ask? Why not ask? That he would be who he says he is. We need to ask specifically. We need to be careful what we ask. Christy and I were at a friend's house recently and they were kind of boasting about their Alexa deal. And I said, hey Alexa, transfer $490,000 from Jenny's account to Garth and Christie's account. And we heard this, transferring. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Alexa, slow down on that. So, you know, it's funny on the one hand. But on the other hand, there's some, you know, me, me, me about what we ask of God, Right? And, uh, and um, James chapter 4 says this, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passion. So don't get me wrong. I think God wants us to have nice things and to be able to go on vacation and to be able to go to Hamilton. I don't know about Hamilton because it's so expensive, but you know what I mean. I mean, I think God wants all that stuff for his kids. I absolutely believe that. But there is a... There's a um, there's a balance, right? Do, do we ask for everything for our own self-gratification or do we ask for things that would be pleasing to God? And when we ask, we want to make certain that he gets the glory when he shows up. And so um, here's what I want you to do as you build your confidence in asking of God. I want you just to consider just some of the names of God. I'm just going to run through just some of the names that God calls himself, that Jesus is called in the word of God. When we pray in the name of Jesus, when we come in the name of Jesus, 
We are praying his character. In fact, the, the Old Testament, a person's name represented their identity, who they were. And so when we would pray in Jesus' name, we would know these things, that, that he is our advocate. That he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That he is the Almighty, that he is the bread of life, that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. These are not new to you, but we need to be reminded again and again because often we impugn God to smallness when God is magnificent beyond anything we could hope for or imagine. He is our counselor. He is our deliverer. He is the giver of life. He says in John 10.10, I've come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us, here, living amongst us. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He is the king of kings, the king of the universe. He is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the light of the world. He promises whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have light in their life. And yet he's a man of sorrows. He was despised. He was rejected. He's acquainted with grief. He's a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's the Savior of the world. My favorite of all Jesus' names, I, that's probably one that I really appreciate, is that Jesus' name equates to wisdom. God, I need your wisdom, I need your clarity of thinking. God, I need Jesus. So it's a powerful name that um, we call upon when we say in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Christy and I heard a testimony recently about the name of Jesus. <clears throat> a young couple had been married, been married for 14 years. They had two kids. I want to say they were like three and five years old or something like that. She gets pregnant with twins unplanned for, but excited about the, uh, the birth. On the way to the hospital, she was really quite anxious that something wasn't quite right. The delivery came, the delivery of the first child, a boy was delivered completely healthy, but somehow there'd been a, a rupture of the placenta in such a manner that when the first child was being born, the second child, a little girl, had been starved of oxygen for eight minutes. the baby was born. They fought and fought and fought for 19 minutes to resuscitate her. She died. Sometime later, moments, not five or ten minutes later, the baby had been gone for this entire time. The uh, Medical professionals said to the dad, whose wife had now been moved into a recovery area, um, you need to prepare your wife and you need to say goodbye to, to your daughter. The son and his mother-in-law, as they went to pick up this ashen gray baby, the, the mother-in-law said to the son, you need your daughter, she needs to hear your voice. 
And, and the guy said, I don't know what compelled me, but I put my hand on my daughter. And I said, in the name of Jesus, breathe. And she starts to sputter. And she starts to gasp for life. And she is now four years old. If you hear that I'm dead, come and lay your hand on me and say, breathe. <laughs> you know, it's not a formulaic deal, but there is power in the name of Jesus. Is that a one-in-a-lifetime story? Yes. But it's not like God has any more favor on that family than your family. Seek and you will find. You know when you lose your wallet and you're seeking it, you lose your phone and you're seeking it, you lose your keys and you're seeking it. When you're looking for a new job and you're seeking it, you're thinking about a, a mate and you're, you're seeking it. Um, the word says, if you seek him, he will be found by you. The word says, I love those who seek me and those who diligently seek me, find me. The word in Jeremiah says, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. That doesn't mean make you rich. It means root you down so that when the wind blows, you won't blow away. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future if you will seek me and seek me with your whole heart. God, let it be that we would be found seeking you with our whole heart. Maybe that means that there's some, some changes of, of uh, activity in our lives. Maybe that means that we pray and fast and cut out noise for a season in, in our lives. It says, knock and it will be open to you. That's a promise. I, in in uh, graduate school, I sold Kirby vacuum cleaners. You guys know about Kirby vacuum cleaners? Great vacuum cleaner, but you know, sold door to door. That took a lot of courage, right? Took a lot of courage to do that. And, uh, and yet, that's what God asks. He asks that we would knock because he wants us to enter in. God delights in giving us good gifts. And, you know, he's not, Christy was, and I were talking this morning, and she said, you know, God is not this God that this kind of cracks open the door when you knock and say, is, is it you again? What do you want? You know, no, no, no. He, he's wide open. He's like, God, it is big smile. It's like, hey, hi, come in. Let me embrace you. Can I get you something cool to drink? Are you hungry? Take your shoes off. Relax. Rest. The Word of God says, now to him who is able to do all or more than we can ask or think or imagine. Let me just... Uh, let me um, begin to wind up a little bit or wind down a little bit just by um, painting the picture of, uh, of a couple of things. If, if you are in Luke chapter 7, where this, uh, where this passage um, we're reading from, if you go over to Luke chapter 8, you see in Luke chapter 8 verse 1, Jesus cleanses a leper. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leopard came to him and knelt before him. Leprosy. You're an outcast. You've got this disease. 
You've lost your family. You've lost your worshiping community. You've lost everything, your vocational ability, because you have this disease. And if others get near you, they could, they could contract this disease. And so you, you had to even humiliate yourself by if somebody came near you, you'd need to say, leper, leper, stay away. You know, just a really bad space in life. That's this mindset of this guy. He came to him and knelt before him and he said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. God, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. What's the leprosy in your life? What's the leprosy that slows you down? that uh, causes you sorrow or grief or sadness. I'm going to look at um, Luke chapter 18, verse 35. Jesus heals a blind beggar, Luke 18, verse 35. As he, Jesus, drew near to Jericho, Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Are we at that place, men and women of God, where we would cry out, son of David, have mercy on me? This is my favorite verse in the entire Bible, verse 41. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? You know, if you're in a job transition right now, if you're like, I could do this or this, I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong. It it may be that God just says, what do you want? I'll give it to you. If you're trying to make a decision about which school to go to, what do you want? I'll bless you at Whitewater, Wisconsin, and I'll bless you at the University of Minnesota. If you're trying to make a decision on, on uh, what colors, you name it. What do you want? Let me recover my sight, he said. And Jesus says, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. We don't need to go into them, but there, there are stories of people who are deaf that Jesus becomes very close to, very intimate with, very intimate with in such a way that he cleanses their ears that they can hear. The, the, the woman who had been bleeding for decades and could not stop the hemorrhaging just reached out and touched the, the hem of his garment and said, if I, just, if I can just get touched close to him. And, and what did Jesus say? He said, woman, your faith has made you well. And so God would ask of us that, that we would step in faith, that we would step intentionally, that we would step with um, uh, a consciousness of who he is, but that we would believe that he will supply all of our needs according to his riches in heaven. If God is for us, who can be against us? doesn't mean that it's easy. If you ask for patience, God doesn't just naturally just give you patience. He gives you circumstances where patience can grow in you. If you're asking for courage, he doesn't just say, oh, I'm going to just 
bestow that on you. He's going to put you in places where you can see courage show up. If, he, if you're asking for a reconciled family relationship, it's not going to be farm and, uh, fuzzy and warm at uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon. You're going to have to go and probably make some amends and seek some forgiveness and draw out some stories. But God wants to give us what we want of him uh, if, if we lean into him. So Does that make sense? Take out those cards. Take out those cards that you have. We're going to have just a, a couple of moments just of silence um, before we go into communion. There are things on your heart, the names of people who um, you are asking God that they would come into the kingdom. There are relationships that, that are not right children with grandchildren, parents with kids. There are employment situations that are, there's been gossip or slander. It's just not righteousness. There, there, are, there are financial things. There are addictions. There is sin. There's things that are unspeakable. And you would say, it is so unspeakable, I can't put it here but I'm going to put that card in the plate because I want God to know. I want my fellow brothers and sisters to know that when the prayer wall goes up, there's something that's that hard. Take a moment or two. Um, jot down what God would have um, you and then come with anticipation that as we step into these next number of weeks, we're going to pray. You can pray. Your brothers and sisters will join you. Again, you don't have to put your names on these things, you know. Um, uh, you might want to. You might want to go on the record, you know. Um, we're going to step into communion. God gives us access. You know what? I'm just going to be quiet for just a moment as you, uh, as you think through your prayer request. Christine, I have a friend, special needs friend. Um, I won't say her name, but um, we had the privilege of um, participating in her baptism. And as we were talking about baptism, I gave the word picture, the illustration that, that we, we die in the waters of baptism and are then raised again in the power of Christ. And we are new in Christ She's a special needs friend, but we have conversations with her all the time. It's not like she doesn't have cognitive function. But she was hesitating on the shores of the baptism lake um, when she clearly said she wanted to be baptized. And so um, we went, we walked out of the water to her and we said, um, hey, do you, do you want to be baptized? And, and she said to us, she said, Will it hurt when I die? She was ready to die, believing that God would raise her. Let us step with that boldness. Let us live our lives with that kind of mindset. We're going to step into communion. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, sitting with his closest 
of closest friends and with the, the man who would betray him. He took bread and he took a cup and he said about this bread, this bread represents my life freely given for you. I offer it up as a sacrifice to God and a sacrifice, a pure sacrifice that your sin might be forgiven. And in a similar manner, he took the cup and he said, this cup represents my blood that is shed for you and for the forgiveness of your sins. And, and so he says, as often as you do this, eat this bread and drink this cup, remember your need for me and my great joy in blessing you beyond all description. And so as we step into communion, uh, leave your shoes off. Come on up and walk on holy ground. Drop your cards off and, uh, and let us be blessed by the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we praise you for who you are. And we thank you that we have access to you, most holy one. Would you continue to dwell with us now through worship and music and our communing with you. In your name we pray. Amen.